he sent ahead gifts of sheep and of goats and kind of Amazon's on the way with all <laughs> yeah. of his packages. It's pretty bad service. <laughs> uh, but but I'm uh, so proud to be your friend right now. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available in paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading along, I think you'll find this conversation beneficial and entertaining for your own faith journey. Today, we're going to dive into a discussion around the temple and origin stories. What a fun section this was. She's just a wonderful storyteller. I can't wait to dive in with more discussions around this. I know. I really, really liked this chapter. I did too. She is, I told my husband when I was reading it, I want to be her when I grow up. Like I, I know. I always wanted to be a writer of some sort. And oh, I just, I found myself reading this going, I could never be as good as she is. She's such a good writer. She's amazing. She is. And her soul is so kind. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. it just comes out of such warmth and love on these pages Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. let's kick this off with a quick recap of the temple story the temple story starts out in the home of a jewish family during the babylonian exile the three children and the mom and dad are getting ready for sabbath dinner the son arrives late and shares a great tale of the babylonian creation story that he had just heard in the city in this story many gods fought each other but eventually the god marduk won out of one out and sits in the great temple there today in Babylon. This story hits close to the father's heart, as they currently do not have a temple while in exile. But he jumps right into their creation story, our creation story. He beautifully illustrates the seven days it took God to create our world and that our God is bigger than any temple. Heaven is my throne, says the Lord, and the earth is my footstool. I loved this story. I loved the two stories. Uh, Kristen and I talked this morning about how when I was reading the story of Marduk, it it felt like a like Norse mythology yeah. or something. It was an Avengers movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they were sure. coming to attack and it's, kill. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And someone in the class this morning said it wasn't peaceful like no. the story no. of you know, our story was. Uh, loved that. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give us a brief overview of the origin story section, and then we can keep discussing. Great. It's what we're best at. Yep. <laughs> Rachel gives us a nice overview of the formation of the Bible. We know compiling these writings and scriptures started during the reign of King David, but gained momentum during the Babylonian invasion and continued during the exile. These stories of their ancestors and God and creation were meant to provide hope to people who were very much feeling abandoned and alone. According to Rachel Held Evans, the role of origin stories, both in ancient Near Eastern culture from which the Old Testament emerged, and at that familiar kitchen table where you first learned the story of how your grandparents met, is to enlighten the present by recalling the past. So today we're going to discuss our origin stories and origin stories from the Bible. Thanks for that great setup, y'all. I think it would be really fun. We did this in class this morning. If we go around and talk about some of our own origin stories, Mm -hmm. either those funny ones, Rachel brings up a funny goody-goody story Mm -hmm. where her (laughs) grandfather blew off his pinky. Yep. Um, You got to read it. It's funny. And then, you know, some of the harder ones, she talks about the hanging noose that Mm. sits inside a family's farmhouse for ages and ages after the grandfather had committed suicide Mm -hmm. and that just haunted them for a long time so i'd love to hear some of y'all's favorites 
Yeah, mine's mine's a funny one. Mine's, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself. Reading the goody-goody story reminded me of a very similar story in my family that I still use to this day now in my own family. And it's my great Aunt Debbie, who everybody just calls Aunt Debbie, is very tough. Um, <laughs> she was an Air Force nurse. Oh, wow. and oh, um, I love it. Yeah, and so she has these kids, my cousins, my or my I guess my second cousins is who they are. Sure. Yeah, my mom's first cousins. Well, so they lived in Houston where they, you know, they have those tall pine trees. And my uncle Staten has always built these amazing play structures. And they're definitely, like at this time, not safe at all. Not recommended. <laughs> not at all. Right. And they would actually, like, climb up these giant pine trees and there would be a swing to the other tree. Oh and, like, gosh. these, like, homemade zip lines and all these different things. Well, anyways, they were all allowed to play. Like, we were this family that was like, yeah, get out there and bleed, you know, have a good time. <laughs> Don't come in unless you're bleeding or <laughs> yeah. dying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so my Aunt Debbie apparently was just known for if you ever got hurt while you were messing around outside, you she would use iodine. She oh, would, you have she, told me this yes, story. Yes. And she would always use iodine because, you know, you met, you hurt yourself. And if you were crying, she would always say, and I can just hear it in my great Aunt Debbie's voice, there's no crying over self-inflicted wounds. <laughs> well, because iodine burns, right? Yes, like it it's because now our sweet kids, they've got like the oh, yeah. anti-burn oh, alcohol yeah. rub. Yeah. And so they would die if Tear they had free. Aunt Debbie's <laughs> methods. I know. And it's just funny because we've used this saying in my family forever, but to do with everything. Like, you know, it's kind of like the bless your heart stories. Like, yeah. oh, bless her heart. Well, it's like, well, you know, he did that thing, and we all knew what was going to happen. No crying over self-inflicted wounds. <laughs> you know, like, he only, you did that to you. so southern. <laughs> I love it. You did that to your darn self. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just, and it's funny because when I started to think about this as an origin story, it has so much to do with, like, the ethos of this side of the family of, like, we're tough, we're rugged, we always make sure to have a good time, and don't be the whiner at the party. Yeah. Mm. You're no <laughs> babies in this yeah, house. Don't yeah. Do don't do it. Yeah. So it's funny how it, it's a much bigger than just, just a quip. And that is, oh man, I, that has carried on with you in yeah. so many ways. <laughs> I just, I, I have so many memories of being in the office and, you know, one of my kids being like falling and crying or something. And even though I, I kind of pride myself on not being the helicopter the freak mom, out mom at mm-hmm. all, yeah. but even I would be like, oh, are you okay? And Ashley would be like, they're fine. <laughs> just get up you're fine <laughs> just rub a little dirt on it yeah. come on you're having a good time aren't you yeah. come on well you're, you're laughing you were laughing two seconds ago get up you're okay yeah. and i'm like oh, okay that and that i'm the oldest sibling and so yeah. you right. know everything was usually my fault and so there's that conversation that you have between siblings when somebody got hurt which is like don't cry don't yeah. tell mom yeah. don't tell mom you're fine you're i'm fine. sorry i'm yeah. sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry get up you're fine look 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 you're fine stop crying stop crying stop crying <laughs> oh my gosh i love that but yeah no that that just popped mind that's gonna be so interesting when you and blake have your own children because i don't think blake's gonna tell them to stop crying no (laughs) no counselor blake yeah no he'll be the tell me how you're feeling right 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 oh my gosh well and what's hilarious yeah what's hilarious is just thinking about how the difference between how ashley was with violet who my violet who's now seven Mm -hmm. almost eight but she was what two yeah, three little and then blake who also worked with us at the time mm-hmm. and like blake was always so gentle and sweet and caring and ashley was like the funny one that was like you're good get up you're great I well like, i remember one time i convinced her ghosts lived in the office oh my gosh oh. 
Yes, that sounds right. You're that that type of aunt. Yeah. But what's funny, that's my relationship with, I mean, that's our parenting differential Mm -hmm. too with my husband. Mm -hmm. He's the very sweet, caring one. And so consequently, he's the one that the kids want when they're hurt. Yeah. Like they fall down and skin their knee and they're like, I want daddy. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, what? No, you want mommy. And they're like, no, I want daddy. (laughs) Okay, Okay. fine. What does this say about your origin, Meredith? Oh, man. I don't know what it says about my origin. Do we have time for that? Oh, (laughs) goodness gracious. Uh, Yeah, I have just a very bizarre origin story. Um, So, I mean, I know we talked last week that I grew up in the South, in Mm -hmm. Alabama and Georgia, but that is not my origin. Uh, So my parents, for a long time, my generations back, um, have lived overseas. They were missionary kids. Their parents were missionaries. Grandparents were missionaries on and on back. Uh, So my dad grew up most of his formative years in Africa, uh, both in Uganda and Tanzania and Kenya. And my mom grew up most of her formative years in Nepal and India. Um, And they ended up meeting when, ooh, scandal. Uh My mom was 13 and my dad was 16. Watch out, world. I know. They started dating. It's a little bit creepy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their their, um, defense is that it was boarding school, so all ages were together. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it is now where high schoolers don't mix with middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. But regardless, uh, we have just a a bizarre way of being now because we have these influences, Mm -hmm. you know, where my mom spoke Arabic when she was little and my grandparents still speak Arabic and Hindi and all these Mm -hmm. uh, fun languages. So, um, I didn't realize how bizarre my upbringing was, I think, until I was in high school, probably, and I had friends over, and someone said, why does your house feel like World Market? And I <laughs> I didn't understand. And I had a friend who came and said, it's a little bit inappropriate that you have some of these things in your house, because we had, you know, like, statues from Africa. Yeah. And we had... but. When you're a middle-class white family living in the deep south Mm -hmm. and you have statues of, you know, black families, people are like, what on earth is wrong with you? This is not okay. Um, But we just have all sorts of bizarre things that we say. So on top of my parents growing up overseas, my mom's side of the family is Irish and um, have just the weirdest sayings. Um, I I shared this morning that they, they talk about the rubbish bin. Didn't realize that was weird. <laughs> Trash can. Uh, I teach Nora that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, no, my favorite one is that my mom still says this, and she cracks me up. Um, you know, we have a saying, like, if if you had to go all over the place to, to find something, what do you say for that? Like, we had to go. Hither and thither. Yeah. It, uh, to, search. All know, over I creation. Yeah. All over creation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Nope. Apparently, this is an Irish thing, didn't realize. Uh, we say we had to go all around Dobbins Barn <laughs> to Do- find the milk. Dobbins Barn? I don't know who Dobbins yeah, is. Yeah, Dobbins. I don't know. Is but he related to Dobby? I, <laughs> Apparently, he has a very large barn. Okay. But my mom still says this. My grandma says it. Everyone says oh, it. Oh, I need to well, search this. we had to go all around <laughs> Dobbins Barn to find the milk in the grocery store. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? But I knew what it meant. Right, right, right. right. And then one day, they, my mom said it in front of a friend, and she was like, what does that mean? Oh, that's amazing. Um, and yeah, if people don't know our background, um, hearing my parents like say things in Indian accents sounds a little bit racist. <laughs> but for them, that's where they were raised. Right, like, their, right, right. That, in some ways, that's their culture because mm-hmm. that's what they were raised in. Yes. And like, I know that sounds very probably not right in today's <laughs> age, but uh, for them, that was. 
they spent their entire lives there. They didn't live in the U.S. until they came over here to have kids. That's so, crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's a very bizarre thing. <laughs> I love that. Comes That's out so in cool. weird ways. <laughs> Well, it just proves we're all bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we could ask anyone to share an origin story and we'd be like, that's totally normal. Right. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Samesies. Yeah. Exactly. Like, me too. Do we live down the street? Now, I shared in our class this morning how I always kind of grew up saying I was half Texan, half Irish. Mm-hmm. Because on my mom's side, we're very proud that my grandparents were first generation born in the U.S. from Ireland. And we romanticized my great-grandparents because they actually both were from Galway Mm. and they lived across a river from each other Mm -hmm. but they didn't meet till they were in an Irish pub in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania oh wow (laughs) yes and even from that like having started in Pittsburgh you know we now all our family live in Texas but like my grandparents a very big Steelers fan like that was my grandfather was buried with his terrible towel like so that side is very like Irish Steelers strength strong and then on my dad's side you know we're so Texan there were all these rumors like oh I think that y'all got put in a ship because you stole some apples which you know (laughs) I there's no real basis but could have happened um but the story we always tell is my great 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 uncle helped capture Santa Ana at the Alamo. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was Sion Bostic. He's in one of the pictures that they draw. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, my oldest, Lila, loves it. She told her whole class about it. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather used to joke that there were only two of them who caught Santa Ana. And our relative was the one who just wanted to kill him right on the spot. <laughs> right. So yep. we have a very tough side on the Bostic <laughs> side. Mm-hmm. He would mm-hmm. also say if their last name is Bostic, they're probably related to you. But don't tell them because they'll probably just ask for money. That's so funny. These all crack me up. That's I awesome. love it. That was something that came up this morning was how we're all so interested, especially in the U.S., in our origin stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about, you know ancestry.com and like going back and finding that and why that is the case here in the U.S. and and I just thought when you were telling your story about Pittsburgh that uh, my mom and I did Ancestry a while ago and we found out that my grandfather and my grandmother so her parents who met in the Philippines when they were missionaries Mm -hmm. uh, they back way back when uh, you know generations back they lived in the same little teeny tiny town in Northern Ireland and obviously, I mean, it was small enough that they would have known, their families would have known each other. Mm-hmm. But then they met in the Philippines, in Manila, when he was there and she was there. It was just so weird. These so random. are just yeah. so crazy. Those are so bizarre. So bizarre. It's so, bizarre. It's so interesting. Oh, gosh. Well, I love, love hearing all of our origin stories. It helps make us who we are and helps us understand not only each other, but ourselves better. Yeah, for sure. Um, our backgrounds don't end when that generation ends. They carry on Mm -hmm. into who we are today. Mm -hmm. And with that, I want to read one of the origin stories from the Bible. Uh, Because as we're learning, what is in the Bible has influenced us for generations and continues to influence us today. So I'm going to read and then at places summarize the first origin story that we hear of creation. There are two that we hear in Genesis. This is the first from Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. 
God separated the light from the darkness called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning on the first day. On the second day, God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the firmament to separate the waters in the sky from the waters below. And there was evening and morning the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. God created vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees of every kind, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day and night. So God put the sun in the sky to rule over the day and the moon in the sky to rule over the night. And God saw that it was good. God said, let there bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. And God saw that it was good, blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. On the sixth day, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind then God said, let us make humankind in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds in the air and over the cattle and the wild animals over every creeping thing. So God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of God, God created them, male and female. I love, love that account of creation. Mm -hmm. Well, so now that we've heard that, how have you traditionally understood the nature of Bi the Bible's creation story? Um, scientifically, as historical accounts, as myths? Yeah, mm. that's a really good question. I think that we talked a little bit about this this morning because some people do literally read that it is seven days that mm -hmm. create Earth. Mm. And that has a hard time when we're speaking of science and dinosaurs and evolution. And, you know, in my mind for a while, the seven days were just really really long <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so a day was more like billions of years right air quote days yes that would allow <laughs> the dinosaurs to exist and evolution to occur mm -hmm. and i think as i still evolve i think i love this story for it being a story and people trying to reconcile with how we came to be mm -hmm. and also the notion that this is part of israel's story yeah and how Israel was formed mm -hmm, and right. our ancestors. So it's pretty cool. Growing up, I, you know, this was meant to be exact. Right. So you had a literalist. Yeah, a pretty, well, and mostly it was kind of this ongoing conversation between creationists and evolutionists at the time, which was much more of a conversation starter when I was a kid than it is now. Right. Um, but just this idea of like, uh, when anybody asked any questions about it, it'd be like, well, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they'd be like, what, you don't think God can do that? Mm. Oh, that's a You remember that? Yeah, yeah. You remember that? It was always just like, so you don't think God can do that? It's like, yeah. no, that's not what I'm saying. I just, but yeah, no, as I read it, it is so much more obviously, I almost feel like it's describing a grand painting. Mm. This, it's like something that, is meant to represent a large happening in a way that you can kind of see as a flow of motion, but it feels like art to me 
as yeah. I as I read it again. Yeah. It feels a lot less like and this is how it happened. Right. And that's how the cookie crumbles. No, it's right. like <laughs> it's not a recipe. Like, right. It's day one. Two dashes of stars <laughs> yes. and one dash of moon. This is how you create a universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By God. <laughs> yes. So more of a big painting. Yes. yes. It's just more artistic notion. Absolutely. But it, it's very poetic. Mm-hmm. I, I love that's part of the reason I love the Genesis one account is mm-hmm. it's it's just so poetic and I can almost I mean, reading the temple story, um, it felt to me like what I had always envisioned mm-hmm. in that, um, you know, knowing that so much of the Old Testament and the Bible in general has been, you know, oral tradition. Right. I can picture people gathered around a fire. I mean, there's no screens. There's no TV. You can't. You, there's nothing to occupy you. So you tell stories. Yeah, yeah. And I just reading it, I can I can just hear this wonderful storyteller mm-hmm. telling this beautiful tale in these poetic words. Mm-hmm. Um how can you not be moved by that? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing I was thinking of as you were saying that is like you have this warm, or at least I do, mm-hmm. have this warm feeling that comes over me hearing this. Mm-hmm. It's not like when I read a science book. Sure. You know, where it's like telling me exactly the description of mm-hmm. each thing. It's like the feeling, I think that's why it has to be a, a story about our creation because it's a feeling you get knowing that something bigger than us mm-hmm. right. created us. Right. Yeah, no. And I, I, it's funny, it's like um, when you learn about the hymns that we sing or different things and you realize that people have been singing this for like oh, 400 years. Such a great point, Ashley. And it's and it's one of those weird feelings where you're like, whoa, I feel connected to someone so far right. and long gone from me. Mm-hmm. And it also feels special in that way. Like it's this special, it's like the stories you're told as a kid, you know, it may, at Christmas we read Christmas stories and we chose the ones from our families that were special and it's just like that the Mm -hmm. ones that you want to give to other people because they were the best books and those traditions that you Mm -hmm. brought into Mm -hmm. your lives too like I was speaking this morning like we bake Irish soda bread for almost Mm -hmm. every occasion Mm -hmm. and we find it amazing and Mm -hmm. other people find it disgusting (laughs) but it's like something that I always brought to classes to share like if we had a Mm -hmm. cultural day I'd be like I'm bringing Irish bread (laughs) and I was the weirdo that we have curry night yes in in the Mason Roan family we have curry night at least once a month and when my husband first came into the family there was a bit of a learning curve mm-hmm. for him. I would it's imagine. Like, mm-hmm. I would have like getting his writer and stuff. And he's like, what do I do with this? I'm mm-hmm. like, it's good. Just try it. I promise. Yeah, oh, but- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but man. it's like that. That's, that's the feeling I get from it now is, mm-hmm. is less reading it and trying to go. I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. I believe mm-hmm. this. Instead. It's like a, a poem that connects me to ancient Absolutely. people who are trying to do the exact same thing right. I'm trying to do right now. Yes. Well, and then yes. thinking mm-hmm. about that, considering the content, content? No, considering the context. Okay. Well, thinking about that, considering the context of the Babylonian exile, mm-hmm. you know, how does that change or, you know, help you see this interpretation differently? Yeah. I loved that section in the book where she talked about that. I had really never thought of it before. I hadn't thought about it in the sense that I don't know that I have trained my brain to remember that other gods were a big deal at the Mm -hmm. same time. Like, I know that logically, that there were still people worshiping a different god from town to town. But what it would have been like for Christians to kind of float in between 
the cultures of that and how disruptive it would maybe feel and especially like the story with the kid yeah. that one sounds a lot cooler right you know a lot more flashbang like swords and like yeah. they're mm-hmm. killing people and mm-hmm. ours is just this nice peaceful god <laughs> yeah everything kind of comes into being right mm-hmm. but it also being a comfort i mean it's yes. a comfort to us mm-hmm. And we're not even Israelites, you know? Yeah. Right. It's a comfort to us. Imagine what it must have been like in exile in a mm-hmm. foreign land mm-hmm. to hear these stories about your land, your yes. home, mm-hmm. and to tell them over and over again. It just, it, it gave me more warm and fuzzies, Kristen, like you said, than it had before, I think. Yeah, because it really does. Like, if, man, living in an exiled country that's foreign to you, whenever you can now read these stories that give you hope mm-hmm. and know that... You can see in these other stories with Abraham and Isaac that they weren't abandoned also. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really what would instill it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So another one of the origin stories that she talks about in this chapter that is really interesting is the story of Jacob. And Jacob has this, you know, story that even predates the story that we're even going to focus on you know Jacob the story of Jacob and Esau is a very weird interesting fight over blessings he's a heel grabber (laughs) he's a heel grabber grabber. he he got out of dodge after doing so and went and had some like really weird dating experiences and got put to work for a long time just to get a wife and then didn't get the wife he wanted and then you know the father-in-law but then he got both wives and then he's like (laughs) man I was such a jerk to my brother who I stole the the blessing from I should go back and say sorry and so he like takes this whole group of people with him um and a lot of stuff gained a lot of wealth goodness gracious he he kind of like messed up left town made a name for himself Mm. and then decided to go back and lay all of that at his brother's feet and maybe kind of make up so that he could get back to the land of his dad and of his brother yes because God told him Mm -hmm. time to go back Mm -hmm. time to go home so in, I'm going to quickly read Genesis 32, 22 through 32, which is after Jacob has already gone back to Esau. The, he hasn't met him yet. He hasn't met him yet. He's, yeah. he's sent ahead gifts of sheep and of goats and kind of. Amazon's on the way with all <laughs> yeah. of his packages. Same day shipping. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty bad service. Uh, but but I'm um, <laughs> Uh, so proud to be your friend. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read um, Genesis 32, 22 through 32 for you guys real quick to kind of catch up with what is going on here. Um, so starting in 22, the same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise, everything that he had. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was pulled out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. 
The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket because he struck Jacob on his hip socket at the thigh muscle. So, weird story. Don't eat thigh muscles. Don't kinda, eat thigh muscle. Kind of sounds like the Israelites were cannibals there. Mm-hmm, <laughs> they don't mm-hmm. eat the thigh muscle because of yeah. Jacob being hit. So just thigh. like they just preserve all hips. <laughs> yep. Which I'm a fan of. I'm cool yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to point out, I heard this this morning, and I don't know why I feel like I need to share this. He actually had 12 children. One, oh, oh, one yeah. was a girl. So, okay. Because he's just only were, 11 of them. There were 12 sons. Wait, is that right? Or no, there were 11 sons? 11 sons and one daughter is what I heard. Is that not right? Yes, because then Joseph had two sons, which is how there are 12 tribes of Israel. Yes. Okay. But no, pour some out for the girl who got forgotten yeah. in the scripture. Right. Right. So let's talk just a second. One of the questions that she asks us in the study guide I thought was really interesting. She says, what might it mean for you to wrestle with the Bible, kind of like Jacob wrestled with God, until God gives you a blessing? What sort of blessing are you seeking? And I like, ironically, not ironically, it's not the right word. I wrestled with this question. Mm, nice. Mm-hmm. Nicely done there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also wrestled with I this question. I did too. <laughs> I did wrestle with this question as well. Mm-hmm. But then this morning, I felt like when we posed it in the class... Uh, everyone had really good answers. And I was like, oh, how did I not think of it that way? Like, that was so smart. Because I I was just drawing blanks. Right. Well, because we talked about more how, what does this story mean that Jacob wrestled? Right. And it was that it is okay that we wrestle with this. Mm -hmm. And that... Um, I told how I was listening. This is a shout out to another podcast called The Bible Binge. Mm-hmm. This is not an advertisement. This is not an advertisement for them, but, <laughs> but I love them so us, much. Um, but I was listening to their story about this, and they were talking about how what was interesting is that before this story, Jacob referred to God as God of Abraham mm. or God of Isaac. Isaac. But not like my God. Mm. And then once he wrestled with God then it was Mm. God. And it was almost Mm. like he had to wrestle with it in order to make it his own. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about how wrestling with the Bible ourselves doesn't leave us unscathed Mm -hmm. because like Jacob and the hip socket, like, yeah, for sure. You're going to go through some things. You might limp. You might leave with a limp, mm-hmm. and that's just... Mm-hmm. My proverbial hip socket has been knocked out of joint. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. What about you, Ashley? What blessing did you want? Do you want a name change? Should we call you? <laughs> right? Because isn't that what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always wanted to go by my middle name, Noel, actually. Yep. Done. I, I, when I introduced everyone in college, I introduced myself as Noel, but I never turned around when anyone was calling me, so it didn't work. <laughs> so name change doesn't work for me. Okay. We're not no when i thought about this so i was like okay first of all thinking about jacob and god why wrestle Mm. like i (laughs) why yes and and then i was like okay who have i wrestled with and i'm like okay oldest sibling beating up on my younger siblings Mm -hmm. wrestling Mm -hmm. give me the remote you know haha let's play right don't tell mom you're Don't okay. tell mom. Yeah, yeah. This is circling back. Uh-huh. It is. But we didn't even mean for that to happen. <laughs> but it's interesting because you get to know, like, that's a very, you know, intimate. Yeah. You don't do that with just anybody. It's your best friend or it's your siblings. And it's you, especially if you're young and you're sweaty and you're, you, you know, you can, you know how they're feeling. You know how they smell. 
you mm. you mm. know there and you're us a picture yeah in, in there well so like it is this way of kind of testing boundaries of like yeah. okay i can get you because i know your ankles are weak but i'm not going to try to do this because i know that you can push back mm. and so then when i started to or think i'm about not going to hit you there because your ankle's weak and right. i really like you right and i want to keep going <laughs> or i don't want to get but, in trouble yeah. yeah exactly but i thought about when in the context of wrestling with the bible unless you engage in this highly personal in uh encounter right. and you push limits you aren't really sure of what's going to stand firm and mm -hmm. what's a little weak yeah and so it's this way of kind of getting into it with the bible um and and i kind of thought about it in the way of that like growing up in you know in literalist circles there's a like you need to submit mm to the bible right there's not a questioning yes. option and so it creates an impersonal relationship with yes. that thing yes whereas if you are you know in loving conflict with the bible you're gonna have this personal relationship so i kind of figured okay so that's why wrestle and then if you are to wrestle like this then the blessing would be and it, i'm circling back you guys don't what? cry over self-inflicted wounds it's grit you're mm -hmm. getting grit resilience resilience you're yeah. gaining knowledge um, both about yourself and about the Bible and right. what it means, you know, when the rubber hits the road or the rubber the rubber meets the road. So anyways, that's kind of how yeah. it, it's all connected for me. Think, do you remember um, Chad McSwain had a column one time mm -hmm. about how roughhousing with your children is actually beneficial mm. because it teaches them that comfort level and that and that's mm -hmm. what yeah. just made me think of whenever you're talking about that because mm -hmm. it's true like we tickle in our house yeah, and like play around in that, that way my four-year-old's favorite pre-bed game i'm serious every <laughs> night let's play fight Yes, and he literally fight. wants us to like throw him on the bed and tickle him and he's like mom don't tickle me as he's smiling and yeah. i have to run over there and like pick him up and throw him down that's his yeah. favorite thing that's don't like, fight. i hadn't thought about that but it is kind of like a parent child mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. i've never hit her in the hip socket or anything <laughs> but um... i thought about it sometimes <laughs> But Ashley, that's a great point. I've Absolutely. never, I've always thought about it in like uh, more of a metaphorical way. Mm -hmm. Well, and going back to last week and, you know, for me, you know, always trying to view it. What does this tell you about who God is? I always hated this story. And mm -hmm. I, okay, hate is a strong word. I always struggled with this story because it's like, what the heck? Why is God <laughs> wrestling with it? Like, what is going on here? But then when you look at it, like Ashley, like everyone's saying, you know, you can question, you can doubt, you can wrestle, you can um, enter into risky conversation mm -hmm. with God, but God doesn't abandon you. Mm -hmm. God doesn't give up on you. God doesn't mm -hmm. condemn you for being a doubter. I mean, mm -hmm. you may leave with a hip socket out of yeah. joint, but God well, loves you still. Can we call still. this episode hip socket? Yeah, hip Ooh, socket. Yeah. <laughs> like pop socket, but <laughs> holds your phone, but not oh your hip. Uh, but no, I. the other thing that was really good about this you know, because I think a lot of people can get really uncomfortable with this idea of being like con in conflict with God or in conflict with the mm -hmm, Bible. Mm -hmm. But the thing I'd like to also point out is um, God didn't lose. Mm. <laughs> God, God didn't feel like they instead were at an impasse, which yeah. makes me think of what you said about, well, I'm not going to kick your ankle because I want to be able to like, God probably could have won. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I can win against Nora. Yeah. <laughs> I but, don't. But instead, he was like, let me remind you that I'm going to pop your hip out of socket <laughs> and you're going to remember 
this encounter <laughs> while you use Bengay from here on for yeah. the next five months. And, but like, and you get a new name, and you get a new name. Yeah, I know. So really cool. I don't really feel like anybody's pushing the Bible around, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah. But you are learning and gil- gaining uh, resilience and endurance. But you're right, because for a long time, I just wouldn't go into these hard parts of the Bible because I just thought ignorance is bliss Mm -hmm. and I just can love God from here. Mm -hmm. And that's fine because it's too scary to get in here. Mm -hmm. And while I've gotten in here and parts have been like, why are we doing that? Um, I feel closer Mm -hmm. because I have like, Mm -hmm. I don't think you wrestle with something that you don't care about. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. No, that's absolutely true. If he didn't care, he would have probably gotten some sleep or like hung out with his wives. Speaking of, I think it's time to do our creative engagement yes. for this time. Oh boy. Let's do it. <laughs> oh boy. Speaking of wives. Speaking of wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are going to do a quick creative engagement that's at the end of the study guide here. And what she calls us to do is part of what is called midrash, right? Yeah. Can I go ahead and give us a little yeah, definition? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is Rachel Hald Evans' definition. Midrash is a Jewish method of interpretation and commentary that plumbs the depths of scripture by clarifying or expounding on a point of law, filling in the gaps of the biblical narrative with new stories and anecdotes, and exploring intriguing questions left open-ended by text. Historically, rabbis wrote Midrash to help resolve contradictions in the text and fill in missing pieces of its stories, but the form has evolved through the years to include imaginative tales and commentaries based on the Bible's places characters stories and laws Mm -hmm. so we're gonna casually do this in our Mm -hmm. own hands yeah yeah we are not midrash experts no we're not and there's some really cool midrash books out there if you're really interested but we thought we'd do it so in the spirit of the midrash rachel held evans asks us to imagine the conversation between jacob's two wives rachel and leah as they wait camping by the river with their children maids and livestock for jacob to return from the night of wrestling with the stranger um, and what kind of, we're just going to, we're not going to necessarily write the dialogue, but we're just going to put ourselves in their shoes. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, just putting ourselves, I don't know why, I don't feel like this was hard for me to imagine. No, it's here, Dash. I don't know. So you've, you've just moved all of your everything, including your 12 children. Mm. Um, across <laughs> the river. Well, in caravans. Caravans. So we've got like donkeys. We have sleds and like different things that are carrying. You think it's like the Oregon Trail? I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> it's very <laughs> Oregon the Trail. Iditarod. Is this what we're doing? And unless they like have a lot of help, like a lot of like maids and servants and things, yeah. like I guarantee you everything important got wet. Uh-huh. So I just imagine these yeah. two wives who have figured out where the kids are going to sleep on the side of the river here for tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob's gone. He's been gone because, you know, he wrestles with God all night. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten the kids. And I just imagined these two women slowly but surely unfurling all of these, like, long pieces of fabric that they would use to put their tents together to let them to dry for the night. And how angry I would be. If my husband wasn't there, who pulled sure. us all this way, helping get everything dry so that it doesn't molt and become destroyed and be nasty to use. And so I just imagine them kind of, can you believe this? And they're just like shaking these big pieces of fabric out and the sun's going down. And <laughs> and oh, by the way, they share the same husband plus their sisters. Oof. 
there's got to be tension there. Well, yeah. I mean, I was supposed to marry him, but you ended up being with him. So now I'm sloppy seconds. Right. What's going on here? <laughs> he thought you were hotter than me. Well, I know that. I know. That's why I'm like, I don't know. I feel like one, maybe Rachel, you know, the one that he wanted to be uh-huh. with was maybe a little more faithful and like, no, Jacob knows what he's doing. Like, he's <laughs> got it going out there. Like, we just need to su- be supportive. And Leah's like, this is ridiculous. Like, we left a <laughs> land we were doing so well and now he just gave 400 of our cattle to esau who we don't even know if he's going to come and kill jacob like p.s rachel rachel don't discipline my child that's my child right you can't tell my child what to do i don't discipline your child oh gosh what a nightmare yeah i feel like that would be awkward (laughs) i love my sister but mm, oh i don't want to share my husband (laughs) (laughs) i have a hard time getting in that headspace Mm -mm. it does but i do i love that like you're right i mean i would be the frustrated one like Mm -hmm. why are we out here what Mm -hmm. are we doing Mm -hmm. what is jacob up to i'm really worried about him his mental health just seems really poor shape right now he said it's across a river Mm -hmm. when is he coming back yeah like when's he coming and back? all of those cattle and goats at that time represented like your 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 worth your net worth as a person and so by giving them all up he just also like dropped them a couple tax brackets yes like it just <laughs> it, everything is changing we have 12 mouths to feed yeah i just i think it was probably a long night i can't decide what hour of the night they would have been so mad that they would have just said i'm going to bed yeah <laughs> you know not waited and been like maybe the desert wolves got him i don't know i know i think it'd be really hard it'd be really hard to be any woman of the bible in general yes um but it would have been really hard for this evening as rachel and leah i really liked this process not only because it's hilarious to um do this kind of like uh mind theater improv with you guys (laughs) uh but because i don't know i love this relationship of the bible and she talks about this a little bit in the book that it's so, so common for people of the Jewish faith to do this. Yes. This is like a cultural thing. And for one reason or another, at least in my, like, growing up, it was not normal to sit around and argue or, <laughs> I air quotes, argue. Everything's mm-hmm. an argument in my house. But, like, like discuss. A healthy debate. A healthy debate of what we believe. And when she talks about it, it's more specifically laws. Mm. So not just sure. how things happened. But like, what does this mean for us? What does that mean? And no one, yeah, you might not have the right answer. Mm -hmm. Meredith and I were talking today. We're like, we would love to have Sabbath dinner where we're up all night just debating these things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I did a a Passover dinner with um, some church people a while ago. And, you know, we were talking about it. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Like, I love that this is such a you know, um, deep tradition. Mm -hmm. And so I remember sitting there kind of in my head thinking, oh, it would be really cool to be Jewish, but also like still have Jesus and stuff. (laughs) And then I thought the same thing when I was reading uh, the book and, you know, how they debate this kind of stuff. I was like, oh man, why can't I be Jewish? Oh wait, that's right. Jesus, I like Jesus. Right. (laughs) It's like, I just want to bring some of that back into what we're doing in Christianity. And I feel like we should because these are our roots, right? They are. They're the origins of our stories. And so in normalizing this idea of doing just kind of what we're doing here together Mm -hmm. of like 
pulling all this out and imagining that everything probably wasn't hunky dory. <laughs> sure. No, I love I feel already mm-hmm. growing just having these conversations and these studies. I mm-hmm. love hearing your thoughts and perspective. It helps me grow my brain and be like definitely or that's kind of weird. Right. Mm-hmm. But no, I think the key is knowing that I feel like in the Jewish tradition, um nobody's expected to have the answer yeah i think the point of it is that we can talk about this and debate it and i feel like for whatever reason in the christian faith especially in america i feel we we're terrified of not having the answer and i think it goes beyond even just christianity i mean even with parenting we Mm -hmm. don't like to not have the answer when our kid asks us a question Mm -hmm. we find ourselves saying let me google that real quick i I gotta figure it out that's the bad thing about having all this at our fingertips right but so i think just normalizing yeah not having the answer and that's okay yeah. mm-hmm. and then finding someone that does saying mm-hmm. you know what let's go find let's go ask pastor chris let's go ask so and so let's ask someone that might know more than we do but still have the conversation mm-hmm. yeah and just be open to the the possibility sure. that we we might not have all the answers and i know we don't have time to dive into this question mm-hmm. but um another one we brought up in the study was how's the bible a conversation starter and a conversation ender. Mm. And I think that plays in really well here because what we decided is we would really love for the Bible to be a conversation starter, period. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Not using scripture against each other. And we'll dive into more in Rachel Hald Evans whenever she gets to using scriptures against scriptures. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Good talk to you guys. Well, should we go ahead and do our quick... What did we, what was our favorite part? What was our favorite quote mm-hmm. Yeah, from mm-hmm. this one? I know we had a few favorite quotes Oh, I have mine. Going on I've here. already got it open. Well, I know. Meredith and I starred the same one. It was so cute, but I'm going to let her take it. I, I know. I will steal it. I legitimately cried. I got tears in my eyes, which people who know me know that I cry at everything. So that's not surprising. But I got tears in my eyes when I read this part and I read it out loud to my husband. I was like, you've got to hear this. And. God love him. His response was, okay, that's cool. (laughs) I was like, apparently it didn't affect him the same way. Um, But on page 12 of the book, if you have the book, feel free to read this part. Um, Rachel Held Evans says, at the heart of the gospel, oh, sorry. At the heart of the gospel message is the story of a God who stoops to the point of death on a cross, dignified or not, believable or not. Ours is a God perpetually on bended knee, doing everything it takes to convince stubborn and petulant children that they are seen and loved. It is no more beneath God to speak to us using poetry, proverb, letters, and legend than it is for a mother to read storybooks to her daughter at bedtime. This is who God is. This is what God does. Ugh, I got chills again just reading that. It just hits it home. Just, Oh, I'm getting teary-eyed again. Oh, I just, I love it beautiful. so much. Oh, I'm, so oh, it I love the beautiful. image of reading a bedtime story to your child and that being so important that and that, that's what God does with us. Well, and it just, it reinforces again in my head this parent figure. Yes. Yeah. Between wrestling and now talking about how he or she comes to us mm-hmm. in those moments mm-hmm. is just wonderful. I um so my second favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I love that we had the same one. Uh, the Bible's original readers may not share our culture, but they share our humanity. And the God they worshipped invited them to bring that humanity to their theology, prayers, songs, and stories. 
And I just love thinking about the Bible mm. from that human lens mm-hmm. yes. and what, like even with the midrash exercise, like these were people and mm-hmm. humans too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I think it's funny. We all chose ones around the same. Did we same area? Thing. Uh, mine's from page 20. Um, and it says, literary scholar Barbara Hardy says as long ago as 1968, we quote, we dream in narrative, daydream in narrative, remember, anticipate, hope, despair, believe, doubt, plan, revise, criticize, construct, gossip, learn, hate, and love by narrative. We meet God in narrative too. The origin stories of scripture remind us that we belong to a very large and very old family that has been walking with God from the beginning. Even when we falter and fall, this God is in it for the long haul and we will not be abandoned. Mm. Ooh, oh, I, I love that. Don't think we can it. say anything better yeah. than that there. Oh. Can't top that. Mm-mm. So good. Well, <laughs> as we all reach for the tissues yeah. over here, folks. Now that we're all crying. So I know. <laughs> That's about how much time we have for today. Um, we'll be reflecting on the well and deliverance stories next time. So I'm really oh, looking forward man. to that. I may or may not have read ahead. It's so good. Uh, I just I love the story I, if, if it's based on what I think it is I'm, I'm gonna be really excited so until next week guys please check out cumc.com backslash inspired for more details on our study and um, where to check in and listen into all of our podcasts we also have that study guide still there for you and information about where to purchase the book if you want to ask us questions or send us reflections or stories that you have to share please email me at ashley a-s-h-l-e-y at cumc.com And we will be excited to share that on our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. As a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministry produced by Ashley Danner, you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series. Like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.